guys may be seated. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Good morning, Coastal Church. Good to see you this morning. Do me a favor, if you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Timothy uh, chapter uh, 4, verse 7. Okay, if you have your bulletin, do me a favor, get your handout out, follow along with me. You know, one of the things about a church that is so humbling to me is how many servants of God it takes to pull off a ministry, people that volunteer their time. And I've seen it for years And uh, as the pastor. Um, I see some of your faces here. I remember uh, many of y'all getting up at uh, 5, 30, 6 o'clock in the morning to drive every Sunday to a school and do set up and tear down. Our greeters get here early. Our ushers get here early. Our parking team, children's people. Uh, I start naming that. I've seen just some extraordinary acts of generous time donations in the ministry of the church. Probably the most unique one I've ever seen, though, is this morning. Uh, we have Josh Hazel in the attic running our our video. So he's up there on his belly. Okay, so thank you, Josh. I can't really see. You. I see something moving, but uh, so give him a round of applause. Right, we would not have been able to sing uh, slides without him. I did tell him. I said the good news is it's not that hot or not that cold today. It's a pretty good day to be in your belly in the attic. So uh, anyway, uh, not bad up there. Thank you, Josh. Um, I, uh, yeah, today we're wrapping up a series on authenticity, and I've called this series, uh, this sermon, Discipline for Authenticity, and, um, and it's kind of the culmination of, of um, six weeks of teaching. Next week, uh, I'm going to lead us over uh, the month of November into some uh, prayers, and I want to teach us about prayer a little bit, and the reason is I, I believe 2015 as a church is a big year for us. Um, God's going to be stretching us, and I want us to be bathing it in prayer, so I want to teach us a little bit about some prayers, okay? And then believe it or not, the holidays are coming right behind that. Can you believe it's November next week? I knew the holidays were coming when I saw a Christmas tree out there already. I said, you got to be kidding me, you know? So, uh, so the holidays are coming. So that's where we're going, okay? Uh, so today, is about some spiritual disciplines, okay? And so the danger of this sermon today is that it'd be pulled out of the context of the last six weeks or five weeks where we talked about the gospel of Christ. This is not a to-do list, but this is a, a discipline list to be uh, to, to become more like Jesus Christ, okay? And so I, uh, a couple years ago, uh, I got to teach down uh, on CNU a Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And by the way, I'm just going to put a shameless plug in Okay, I'll be there tomorrow with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes now CNU. So are there any college students that come to the 815 service? Uh, yes, thank you. Great. Good job. I, I don't know why you got up so early. But anyway, so yeah, so I'll be down there tomorrow night. I'm looking forward to that. But one, one of the times when I spoke, uh, they were kind enough to give me a gift. And so I came up to teach and, uh, at the Fellowship of Christian Athletes CNU campus, and, and they, they pulled this up and they give this to me. Uh, and, and this is an Under Armour t-shirt, okay? Uh, and I love this shirt. I've only worn it once, though. And the reason I've only worn it once is that um, Under Armour is great clothing if you're in shape. Okay, I would say, like, Under Armour is for people that are chiseled, you know? And, like, like I get it. Like, these 20-year-old athletes, you know, like, oh, Pastor Sean, man, he, you know, he'll love an Under Armour t-shirt. I'm like, yeah, it looks great if you're like this. But when you're kind of built like this, okay, it doesn't, doesn't quite go as good. So I've always appreciated this gift, but, you know, it only works if you're fit, right? And, and otherwise, that, that kind of uh, clothing doesn't That's why I wear these big, heavy things, right? You know, kind of cover some things up through the years. But... Um, 
but you know, you don't wear Under Armour unless you're physically disciplined, right? And you, you're in shape, and, and being in shape takes time, and it takes some discipline, and it takes some effort. And, and so we've built the idea over the last couple of weeks that authenticity uh, is, is growing to be in accordance with God's original design for you and I. And so we started with, hey, the design's been broken because of the fall of man, and Jesus Christ came to restore the original design of what God had intended for the human race. And, and so then uh, as we worship Christ, we are heading back on the path of authenticity. And so today we're going to talk about, man, how do we discipline ourselves so that we can grow to be more like Christ? And the more we grow like Christ, then we become more and more of an authentic person or as God originally designed us. So the challenge is for us to live in accordance with spiritual discipline. So with that kind of in mind, the Apostle Paul writes this to Timothy, young pastor of the church of Ephesus, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, Paul says, Do not waste time over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be what, church? What's it say? Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is what? What is it? It's much better, right? It's much better. Why? Uh, because it promises benefits in this life and in the life to come. And so this morning, I want to challenge you. I want to offer you a challenge to train yourself for authenticity, to grow, to be more like Jesus Christ. Does it just happen? Okay, you don't just wake up one day and, woo, you know, man, I'm more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. It, it takes some time and it takes some discipline. And the benefits to be like Christ, the Bible says, are not only beneficial in this life, but they're beneficial in the life to come, okay? And so this is an area that your life has to be focused. Now, there are eternal disciplines, all right? And by the way, clearly there's some some endeavors, according to the Apostle Paul here, that uh, appear spiritual and actually are a waste of time, right? We have to be cautious. And by the way, the more you get into Bible study, and I've, I've got uh, seven years of post-high school education all surrounded around Bible study, and um, you, you do run the risk of uh, focusing on the nitinoids of Scripture, and they're important, and I love to study them, but there are some big themes of Scripture I think need to be our focus. And, and Paul says instead, instead of focusing on old wives' tales and arguing over stuff, he says, instead, train yourself. Uh, and I'm going to give you a Sean Brown word, okay? This is a Sean Brown word. Like, as, as Christians, um, too many of us remain as baby Christians, now, I'm going to show you a couple of verses where Paul gets on a couple churches, right? And so here's the Sean Brown word. We should be growing to be self-feeders. I want you to hear that word. This is not a Bible word. It's my word, right? We should, as Christians, we should be growing to be self-feeders. In other words, where you learn to feed yourself so that when maybe we gather corporately, you're spiritually mature enough to give back to others. Now, listen, do we need a spot to refresh? Of course we do. Do I encourage everybody to attend corporate worship? Of course. You know, or what, but, but too many of us, like, we come to church like, oh, I'm not going to sign up to serve anywhere because I just need my heart filled. And the problem is you haven't become, a self, you haven't become disciplined enough and a self-feeder to grow to give back to others. There's a lot of people that serve at Coastal Community Church and give and give and give and give and give. How do they do that? Because they're self-feeder. They've learned to discipline themselves for godliness behind the scenes so that the ministry of Coastal, they're able to be a part of and give back to others. And church, we need to be growing. We have too many baby Christians in America. 
Too many people that have made Christianity and church all about them, and they never grow to where they can give back to others. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, and this is a, this is a condemnation to the church of Corinth. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to the world. In other words, he said, listen, you're... You're Christians, but your eyes are still so focused on the world that you're not growing. You're constantly discouraged. And, and if you always want to be a part of the world, you're going to be discouraged. Why? Because you're investing in something that won't last. You're not, you haven't become self-feeders. You haven't grown. You haven't disciplined yourself for godliness. He said, so he says, I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritually. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to the world, as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And guess what? You still aren't ready. You know, church, we got we to gotta discipline ourselves to be like Christ so that we can become authentic as God originally designed. So, so here's what I want to do, okay, this morning. I want to give you, I'm going to give you three disciplines that I use in my life, and I want to encourage you in three. There's many more. I would really encourage you. We've been, we've been pushing the book, um, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, okay? We may still have some at the Connect Center. If you don't, you know, you can order it online. Uh, and the reason we push, pushed a spiritual discipline book for this series is we believe is as you discipline yourself and you grow to be more like Christ, you become more and more authentic, okay? And so I want to encourage us as a body to be growing in our spiritual disciplines so that we grow to be more like Christ, so that we become authentic followers of Jesus Christ. So let me give you three, okay? Uh, the first one is to be in the Word of God. Now, some of these will be obvious, maybe some of them won't, okay? The first one is to, to be in the Word of God. Um, I want to encourage you as a church body to be reading on your own the Word of God, um, and the purpose is not, again, it's not to check a box. I read my Bible today, check. You know, prayed today, check. Now God's happy with me. The purpose is to read the Word of God so that God's Word speaks to your heart and molds you in the image of Jesus Christ. Jesus said this about His Word in Luke chapter 11, verse 28. Luke eleven twenty-eight. Jesus replied, um, He said, But even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and do something with it. What's it say? And put it into what? Put it into practice. Okay, so there's two parts here that Jesus says, but when it comes to the word of God, the first is hearing, okay? Is having the word of God in your heart and in your mind, hearing the word of God. You have to be you know, regularly exposed to God's word. You know, yesterday... Um, <clears throat> Some of you men got to go to the men's conference. It was excellent, okay? And, and uh, one of the things I see at those conferences from time to time, though, is people that have been disconnected from their local church. They go and they get fired up in their one-day conference. And, and so if that is you, if I'm talking to you, like, great, I'm glad you're fired up. I'm glad you went. You need to begin to put some spiritual disciplines because the Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And the disciplines is what keeps you connected to Christ on a day-in, day-out basis. So I want to encourage you, if that's that was you. You went to the conference. You got fired up. You know, be in the Word of God on a daily basis, hearing the Word of God, regularly being part of the Word of God, regularly be a part of corporate worship. Corporate worship, coming to church on Sunday. Again, it's not a box to check. It's an opportunity to worship God, hear the Word, fellowship with others, and make sure our, our, we're refueled week in and week out for our spiritual journey, all right? Because Paul says spiritual disciplines, godly disciplines, good for this life and the life to come. 
all right? And so we got to be in the word. It's, you got to be in a church that preaches the word. So four ways that I make sure I'm hearing the word, okay? First of all, corporate worship, all right? Be in a church that faithfully opens the word of God and preaches it, all right? Um, and by the way, the Bible says that when we, when, we, when we journey away from God, okay, so when we go away from God, it says all of us like sheep have gone away, all right? Anybody know how a sheep gets lost? Does anybody know? When I was a kid, I had a, a dog that my dad, this was like pre-invisible fence kind of thing, and my dog would always kind of run through the neighborhood and then, you know, come home because he knew where he got fed and my, drove my dad nuts, you know, and so he's like, man, I guess I'm trying to train this dog to stay home because he didn't like it going in other people's yards, and we lived in, we had some acreage, so it wasn't like kind of here, it was a little bigger neighborhood, but, uh, <clears throat> but anyway, so what we would do when we, when we come home, this dog would stay in the garage, we'd come home from somewhere, and all of us would get out of the minivan, and we'd line up in front of the garage door, and then my dad would hit the clicker and we'd all try to catch this dog you know i mean like here he comes you know, he was quick man he was had like barry sanders like moves you know and a lot of times he'd get away but that's not how a sheep runs away right a sheep doesn't look for a way hole and out they go right a sheep nibbles their way it's one blade of grass at a time right i don't i don't need to be at church this week i mean you know i'm a little tired i'll go next week Right? I don't need to hang out fellowship with other Christians. I just, you know, I'll just hang out with these folks. And one nibble, 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 nibble. And then one day a sheep looks up and like, where, where is everybody? Right? And spiritually speaking, you wake up one day and you're like, man, my soul is hurting and lost because we nibbled our way away. And so you've got to be in a church that preaches the word of God that reminds us of truth. Right? You need to be in a small group. And I always like what Pastor Jeff talks about when he talks about small groups. He says small groups is an intersection of life and the Word of God. So we take the Word of God, man, and we apply it with other believers so that we grow to be more like Christ. And, and so you got to be in a small group. That's a spiritual discipline that God put in my life long ago. When I was 18, 19 years old, I committed myself to a small group. And I know the difference it made in my spiritual journey. Personal reading of the Word of God. I read the Word of God every day, almost. Okay, and I some, some days they're hectic, but almost every day, man, I'm open to the Word of God. It's not a checkbox. It's, it's, man, God, what do you have for me? It's like a love letter to me. I get to read it. You know, and I, what do you have for me today? And, and read it personally. Okay, and one of the things that I do is every other year I read all the way through the book, the Bible, word for word, the whole thing. I do that every other year. You know, you can read through the Bible if you give it about 20 minutes a day. How many of y'all give Facebook 20 minutes a day? Really? Hmm? Probably a lot of us in this room. Read through the Bible. You never do that. 20 minutes a day. Okay? And then the other years, what I do is I take a book of the Bible, and I take it verse by verse, and I journal it as I go. And I just each morning get up, read a verse or two, and journal it. That's my spiritual discipline of being the Word, okay? Um, <clears throat> I listen to the Word of God preached, okay? I, I, uh, I find there's so, many re there's so many resources to hear the Word of God. You have the iPod, iPhone, whatever, down tons of apps. Coastal has an app now, so if you miss, you can get on Coastal's app and hear the sermon. But I have some preachers I like to listen to. I have a couple chores. Uh, chores is wrong. Right? I have a couple responsibilities here at Coastal that during my week are kind of uh, routine. I have one in particular takes me about 30 to 45 minutes. Every time I do that particular thing, I, I go on the Internet, I go on YouTube, YouTube and I just listen to some of my favorite preachers while I'm doing some of the admin, okay? So, you know, maybe you can't do that work. Maybe you got some home things or things you can do. You know, there's some spots where you can listen to the Word of God and just have it get into your heart and get into your mind on a regular basis. Why? We're disciplined. We're listening, hearing the Word of God. Jesus said, we got to hear the Word of God. And then he added to it. He said, and you have to do what? Put it into what, church? You got to put it into practice, right? You have to put it into practice. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, 
But don't just listen to God's word. You have to do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. You know, I, it's a little bit of pushback here this morning, a, kind of a dichotomy based on what I just said. But um, I think one of the problems in the American church is like we, most, many of us in this room don't need more Bible study. Some of you do, okay? Some of you do. But many of us are like, we have a ton of Bible information. In fact, many of you in this room, you have more biblical knowledge than many pastors in third world countries around the world. Like, we have resources and resources and resources. I say, the problem with the American church is not information. The problem with the American church is transformation. Like, we don't, you know, I always say this, it's not the stuff about the Bible I don't understand that gives me problems, it's the stuff I do understand about the Bible that gives me problems. Like, trying to love my wife the way Christ loved the church. Like, I, that doesn't need more explanation. That doesn't need to know the Greek. That needs transformation when I go home today, right? I, I, I don't, there's so much stuff in the Bible that's so easy to understand and what I need is the Holy Spirit to make me hate the things that God hates and love the things that God loves. That's what I need, right? I've got to love my sin less and love righteousness more. I need the gospel message to sink deeply in, the power of the Holy Spirit to transform my heart, to love the things that God loves. And until we stop loving our sin more than we love righteousness, we're going to continue to go back to our sin. That's a fact. And so Jesus says, don't just, don't just hear the word of God, man, put it into practice, okay? And um, here's the, here for me is ultimately the issue of obedience to the word of God. You want to know what ultimately the issue is? Is this book, and if this is my life and this is the word of God, do I place my life under the authority of the word of God or do I do it the other way around? I'm in authority over this book. I will tell this book what I do and don't need to obey, right? Or do I say, no, 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 this is God's word, and, I've, and, and there's a little bit of a faith element here, but although I built a case back in the spring uh, on tough truths in the Bible of how we know how reliable this book is, okay, and so, man, or am I going to go, no, that book has, has final say, and, and when you do this, by the way, Christians, when you, when you say, no, this book has authority over my life, and I submit my, the criticism is going to be, well, you, you know, you're just really close-minded, Right? That's going to be the criticism. You're closed mind. I always say this, you know, and oh, the purpose of an open mind has, is similar to the purpose of an open mouth, okay? I open my mouth to close it on something solid, all right? The purpose of an open mind is to have it open enough to close it on something solid, to close it on truth, okay? And so for me, I've said, you know what? This book is the word of God, and it has authority over me. It has authority over my money. It has authority over the church structure. It has authority over my place in the church structure. It has authority in how I run my marriage and my place in my marriage. It has authority in how I, how I um, live in community. It has authority over how I live according to the government that God has put over me. This book has authority over my life. And I've submitted and owe my life to this book. And so, you know, because I believe it's God's word. I have... Um, I have two boys. Uh, there's times that maybe they're, they're uh, watching TV or something. I'll say, hey, boys. Um, and this happens frequently, actually. I say, hey, boys, I need you guys to empty the dishes, okay? And so sometimes uh, one of, I usually get one or two responses. One of them, and it's always different each time. One of them will go, okay, Dad, I'll get right on it. And then the other boy will groan. No, i do the dishes, you know. And then what happens is sometimes 
The one that was cheerful, hey, Dad, hey, I'll get right on it. That one ends up not doing it, and the groaner gets up and does the chore. Have you ever seen that happen? Like, what? And you see the groaner get up and do it, and, the one, and then uh, so the, the cheerful one, I'll come back to, hey, remember I said do this? You didn't? Yeah, Dad, I'll get right on. I'll get that two or three times. Finally, look, I need the dishes done, okay? You know, in fact, Jesus actually tells a similar story. In Matthew 21, he said, there's a dad that had a vineyard, had two boys, said, listen, I need to go out and work in the vineyard. One said, I'm not going to do it. Later got convicted, went out and did it. The other one said, yeah, dad, I'll get right on it. Didn't do it. Jesus said, which one really obeyed the father? The one that got up and did something about it, right? And so in Christian life, man, like you may sit here, we can sit here on the weekend and go, man, that's a great, oh, wow. Oh, God, that good stuff this morning. But if our life never adjusts to the word of God, we're like the kid that went, yeah, okay, dad, I won't get right on it and never do anything, Okay. Jesus says, more blessed are those who hear and do the word of God. So it's a spiritual discipline, okay, that we put in our lives to grow in Christ-likeness, okay? Here's the second spiritual discipline that I've put in my life, and that's prayer, okay, prayer. When you pray, actually, um, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaching the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, says four times, when you pray, okay? And so the expectation is, is that a Christian is someone that will be praying. It's a discipline that's expected, okay? And it's, it's something that requires a little bit of devotion, okay? It, 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 prayer, is, uh, prayer is probably one of my toughest spiritual disciplines. It's the one that requires for me, uh, and, and my knitting is I naturally gravitate to the Word of God. I love the Word of God. I love the study of the Word of God. But prayer for me takes a little bit more effort, okay? It takes a little more devotion. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Pa uh, Paul writes this to the church. He says, devote yourselves to what, church? Prayer. Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Let me give you a couple ideas here. First of all, the word devotion has the idea of loyalty, enthusiasm, commitment, and faithfulness. Loyalty, enthusiasm, commitment, and faithfulness. You have to commit yourself. And prayer is about relationship with God. And notice what Paul says here, by the way. He says, devote yourself to prayer with what, church? What's it say? Oh, wait, we've already skipped past the verse, haven't we? Wow. Yep. You know all that good stuff I just gave you, Josh? I, I'll take it all back, man. It's, uh, it's just... There we go. Thanks, buddy. All right. <laughs> Devote yourself to prayer with what? What's it say, church? What's it say? With, no, no, with a what? An alert what? Mine. One of the things I noticed yesterday when I was at the men's conference, um, as the teachers were teaching, is how often God challenges us to use our minds The great command, I always say, you know, really, I could sum up everything I preach in two statements of Jesus. we got to love God, and we got to love others, right? And so everything we talk about has, surrounds that. But Jesus taught, how do we love God? Love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart, soul, what? Mind, right? Um, there's actually some teaching that goes in, uh, in Christian circles. It talks about there's the kind of this mindless prayer. It's not biblical, I get Romans 8 stuff where the Spirit intercedes when we don't know what to pray, and I've been in a ton of situations where it's so broken and such a mess that I have no idea what to pray. I get those things, but our minds are engaged with God, okay? This is communication. 
And Paul says, listen, you devote yourself with an alert mind. Another thing you can take away from the idea of an alert mind is, is timing, okay? So if you're like, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to do it at 10 o'clock at night, I'm going to lay down in bed, and I'm just going to pray. Like, you're probably not the most alert then, right? And, and so, you know, like one of the things, when I'm having a hard time sleeping, you want to know what I do? I do pray. And the reason I pray is because it relaxes me. It reminds me God is sovereign. The things in my mind that are keeping me up, I can go, hey, God, I'm just going to start forgiving this to you. You're sovereign. You're in control. I start praying. But I also pray in the morning because that's when I'm alert, okay? And so I have an alert mind. Get up and spend some time in prayer, okay? And so, and then Paul says, and we do that with a thankful heart, thanksgiving and joy, singing for the honor of speaking. And one of the things I do when I pray, by the way, when I enter, before I start, and uh, I always spend some time going, God, you're the creator of the universe, you speak, and the cosmos comes into existence, and I get to talk to you. Is that incredible or what? God, I, like, when I enter in, I'm like, 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 my back is hurting me, and you care, <laughs> right? Like, some of y'all, like, sometimes when it is, well, never mind. All right, so um, I'll filter. So, um, but, like, but when it comes to God, like, he, like we come into his presence, man, and he, he cares about us, and we get to talk to him. He's the creator of the universe. Something's broke, and he, he, he knows how to fix it. And, and just like the passage Joey read this morning, like even the brokenness God knows about, God allowed, and God is using for his glory. He's using all things to bring glory to him. And so we get to enter in his presence, man, and we enter with thanksgiving. And for me, it's like, God, I'm, I can't even believe I get to be here. How cool. Why would we not make use of that? I give you thanksgiving. We come to you with an alert mind, thanksgiving. Paul goes on and tells us, teaches 1 Thessalonians to pray continually. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing, Paul says. You see, prayer is about a relationship. We can talk and we can listen to God regularly throughout the day. One of the little, little, little add-ons I've done in my life is to try to turn the radio off a little bit more. And uh, Actually, the men's prayer night, one of the men's speakers challenged us with that. I, that's kind of where I got the idea. He said, I turn my radio off a lot, and I drive to and from work, and I'm just communicating with God through prayer, praying continually. And I loved that challenge, so I took it and added it, okay? It's a little add-on to Sean's disciplines. Like, hey, we're gonna, I'm going to pray while I'm driving, okay? Um, except when Mike and Mike are in the, in the morning are on. I like them. So, uh, so <clears throat> but, uh, man, we're going to pray. Add those disciplines, okay? So second discipline uh, that I want to challenge you with is prayer, okay? And it's to be more like Christ so that we can be more authentic. Third discipline I want to give you one uh, <clears throat> that I've used in my life is that of fasting. I know, this is a little bit of a, a nerdy sermon this morning, okay? This is one of those ones that always doesn't make sense, but uh, Jesus in Matthew 6, I told you how in, G in Matthew 6, how Jesus four times says, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray. Well, guess what? He says the same thing about fasting. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 says, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they, they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they'll ever get. But when you fast, verse 17 comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees and will reward you. The idea, again, the expectation Jesus has for those who are following him is that there is some time of fasting. And maybe you're sitting here like, I don't, what is fast? I don't even, I've never even heard that before. Okay? Fasting uh, is generally labeled as a voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. All right, you might want to write that down, all right? A voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. Now, I, I kind of 
put my own addendum onto that definition. Okay, because it, it might be an abstinence not just from food or something else out of our ordinary routine. Okay, because some of you may, may be in this room and like, hey, I got medical issues, I can't fast. Okay, great, don't do that. I'm not asking you to risk your life. I'm asking you to maybe take something out of your ordinary routine to spend time with the Lord in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a spiritually disciplined way. Maybe it's like, hey, I'm going to take a, two days off the Internet. Right? Spend a little more time praying. I'm going to take a, a couple media-free days. Uh, spend so, a little. There's some things going on in my life. I want. I want to dedicate a little more time to my spiritual disciplines. All right. And so, um, <clears throat> there's a lot of biblical reasons for fasting. I want to give you a couple. Okay. The, I, I could give you 15 probably where we see fasting in Scripture and how it was linked to some other spiritual disciplines. All right. But well, here let me give you a couple. One, it's strength. Fasting in, in Scripture is often used to strengthen your prayers. Okay, so like in Ezra, in the book of Ezra, they were trying to rebuild um, the city walls that had been torn down. So Ezra spent some time fasting and prayer, so strengthening your prayer. And so, um, and so, uh, so um, one of the ways I use fasting, and and uh, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm saying this because I, I want to give you an example. Okay, I've run the risk of trying to sound super uber spiritual, which I, you know. Hopefully, I'm growing in my spirituality. I don't want you all to think of me as Saint Sean or anything, okay? But I'd spent some time fasting this week, okay? It was a very short season. Uh, I actually just, I don't, sometimes when I fast, I take a couple days, but uh, usually, uh, but usually I just take like two meals, and that's what I did this week. I took breakfast and lunch, okay? And and I fasted, and the reason was there's some things in my heart and mind praying for about Coastal, and so I just wanted to give a little extra time. So here's what I do. I use my meal times as a little extra time for prayer over the issue I want to bring before the Lord. Does that make sense? And so you know, I don't know. You know, no one knew. In fact, my wife didn't even know about it until I came home that day and started eating dinner. She's like, "Man, you're starving." I'm like, "Yeah, let's eat." You know, so uh, and I told her, I said, "Well, I just took a couple meals this week and fasted and prayed, spent some time." The other thing fasting does, and well, I'll get back to the other thing, but uh, and so we use a, we can couple fasting with prayer. It's just an opportunity to give a little more prayer attention to something that's going on in our lives. That's how Ezra used it in Ezra chapter eight. Okay, uh, number two, <clears throat> you can use fasting to seek God's guidance. Okay, and so in, in Acts chapter 14, um, Paul and Barnabas are pointing elders in these churches that they're planning. And it says they fasted and they prayed over these elders. Okay, and so maybe you're, there's some things in your heart and life, like I'm seeking the Lord's guidance. Fasting is a little bit of a discipline just to spend a little more time thinking about spiritual things. Uh, fasting can be used to express repentance. Um, in 1 Samuel chapter 7, uh, Samuel becomes a, a judge, and he leads the people, and he, he wants the people to get rid of their idols. And so in, as a show of repentance, they fasted. They skipped a couple meals, and they fasted and, and, and repented the Lord. So maybe today, maybe God's been delivering you from some sin. Man, I would encourage you, use this discipline as a fasting opportunity uh, to be humbled before God. Okay, so fasting can be used to be humbled before God. Um, 1 Kings chapter 21, we see Ahab, King Ahab, is, uh, who generally is known as a bad king, but actually when he was confronted uh, by Isaiah, he humbles himself and he fasts and he repents, okay? And so uh, be humble for God. And one of the things I always notice when I'm fasting is, um, and this is really simple, right? It's not very deep, not very spiritual. Like when I fast, you know what happens to me? I get hungry, right? And so I'm like, and I'm like, man, I'm hungry, man, I'm hungry. Man, I'm hungry. And one of the things I learned about that is how weak I am. Like, how much I really depend on God for everything. Like, I can't even go a couple meals, right? Lord, if you just don't provide me my daily bread, I'm in trouble. That's how weak my humanity is. And it it humbles me before the Lord. Like, man, Lord, I really do need you to provide everything for me, all right? Or fasting when you have a heavy uh, concern for the work of God. 
And those are just a couple examples. I can give you more, but I, I don't want to bore you. But I just want to encourage us as a church, man. There are some seasons where we need to give up some of our regular routine things to say, I want to spend a little extra time uh, given, devoting my time to the Lord. All right? I could go on and on. Okay, there's so many other spiritual disciplines. Uh, spiritual discipline of evangelism, spiritual discipline of journaling. Okay, that's been a big one in my life is to spend some time journaling thoughts um, <clears throat> that God has given me. The discipline of giving, uh, the discipline of solitude, the discipline of serving. Sometimes we have to discipline ourselves to do like the mundane service things to remind us of that Jesus was a servant. Okay, so I could go on and on. But the bigger picture, church, is to discipline ourselves to be more like Christ. Um, because the more we're like Christ, the more we're authentic. And I just want to give you three areas to challenge you to discipline yourself. All right, let me finish with this. This past week, I, or a week and a half ago, I went to my doctor and uh, went for my regular checkup. <clears throat> and I was excited um, because, well, let me start with, yeah, I was excited because every year he gets on to me about my weight, okay? And, uh, and he's super fit. Okay, which drives me crazy. So, um, you know, he's super fit. And so I, I knew I'd lost some weight. I'd put some disciplines in my life and I lost some weight. And I didn't want to say anything. So usually when I go to the doctor, and, I, and they always start you by, hey, get on the scale, right? And I, so I don't know about you, but like I empty my pockets, right? I take my <laughs> shoes off. I do that. So this time I didn't do any of that. I left my pockets full with the keys, the shoes on, all that. And so he comes in the room. He's going through his notes. And he looks up at me. The first words out of his mouth, he goes, you've lost weight. I got weepy. I was like, come on. We had a hug and we had a cry together, you know. Like, it's the first time in 10 years you've ever said that, you know. Thank you. And it was awesome, you know. And uh, he said, so what have you been doing? I said, well, I, I said, so uh, last, in June, I stepped on the scale. And after 15 years, I decided it probably wasn't the scale's fault. Like, I was like, this scale's broken and I'm just keep going this way, you know? And so uh, I finally decided what, it probably wasn't the scale's fault. And so in June, what I did, I stepped on the scale one day, I got disgusted, I went down, put on a pair of tennis shoes, and I went for a half mile run. And I got done a half mile, I was like, oh my goodness, I hate running, you know? And, um, and the next day, I put on my shoes, I went for a half mile run, and guess what I did? I added a driveway. So I went ahead my own, I'm go to that, that one more driveway. And the next day, and the next day, right? Now, I had, my knees started hurting, so I had to back off on every day, but I'm still trying to run about three or four days a week, okay? Um, Friday, I ran just under four miles. All right, so yeah, thank you. It's good. <laughs> hate every step of the way. All right, hate every step of the way. No, I'm just actually, I'm starting to enjoy it. But um, um, there are many days when I get up in the morning, I was like, man, love to just roll over and get 30 more minutes sleep, right? And there's many days I'm like, it's too hot, it's too cold, you know, whatever. And, and I have disciplined myself um, to try to lose a little bit of weight. You know, I haven't lost a ton, but I do feel better. And as the doctor said, hey, you've lost some weight, um, 1 Timothy 4.8 came to my mind. Physical training is good. But training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and the life to come. Church, I don't want to add to your to-do list this morning. That's not my goal, all right? Like, do, do, do. What I want you to do is see spiritual training as an opportunity to be more like Christ so that you'll look back in six months and people go, man, you're really growing in the Lord. Your kids will, it'll, it'll begin to trigger them out like, it's a better dad. He's, she's a better mom. She's more, been more patient. It's those are things that take time. 
Now, here's the hidden benefits of, of physical discipline, all right? I had some hidden benefits because a week after me and the doctor had a hot hug and a cry, you know, he draws my blood every year. I have high cholesterol, like it's a family trait. And if I told you how high our cholesterol is in my family, you'll, you would go into cardiac arrest immediately, all right? Um, <clears throat> for the first time in my life, my uh, cholesterol dropped under 200, first time in my life, okay? And so I, for me, I was like, those are the hidden benefits. I didn't know that. And so I went, looked at my wife and said, honey, I'm sorry, it looks like I'm going to live longer. And uh, <laughs> you're stuck to these marriage vows, so... Um, <clears throat> So here's my challenge, all right? Here's the so what, and we'll close with prayer. I want to encourage you, no matter where you are this morning in your spiritual disciplines, to add one more driveway. Does that make sense? I'm going I'm to pray a minute longer. I'm going I'm to, like, just start where you are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, tomorrow morning, I'm going to read one verse out of John and meditate on it. Think about it. Just add one more driveway. And then the next month, add another driveway. And the next month, add another driveway. And you'll start to grow in your spiritual disciplines to where we will be molded in the image of Christ. And what excites me about that church is we will become a church that are authentic followers of Jesus Christ. In fact, we actually start our vision statement with developing. You don't get there overnight. You develop as authentic followers of Jesus Christ. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you uh, for the technology work good enough for us to get through it. Um, it's a blessing, God. Thank you for um, your faithfulness to us. Lord, I pray that um, <clears throat> we will be challenged to be authentic followers of Jesus Christ. And we do that with discipline for godliness, Lord. I pray for everybody in this room that you would challenge to take one more driveway, God. What's the one next step that we can take to develop as authentic followers of Jesus Christ? And what excites me, God, is a church that is developing to be an authentic follower of Christ will change the world to make Jesus famous in every tribe, tongue, and nation for the glory of God and for the good of man. It's one driveway at a time. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church, this is our offering time. If you're a guest with us this morning, thank you for being here. I don't want you to feel any obligation to give. Okay, this service is our gift to you. It's one of the ways we worship God at Coastal. Um, if you're a guest, I love that one thing from you on the side of that bulletin is a tear-off. If you fill it out, drop that in the offering plate. We just want to send you a thank you card for coming. That's all we're going to do with that. If you're here this morning and you have a prayer need, you came in, hey, my burden's heavy. I'd love to talk to someone to pray with someone. We always have one of our prayer team members up front, um, and uh, they're sitting in the front row. Usually they have purple shirts on. That's how you know who they are, and they would love to minister to you in prayer. Joey?